As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. Well, Ben Raby, I'm going to give you full credit for the name, the title of this podcast. This will be the Stuff Rob Missed podcast after missing the last three games with the flu. And I'm not going to lie to you. Still feel like I got hit by a bus, got up and then got hit by another bus right now. But uh, so tell me, Ben, what did what I did miss? miss? <laughs> what did you miss? Well, they've won three of four. Did you, did you miss all? They're doing well. They're doing well, yeah, since without me. On, yeah, yeah, since, since your absence. But uh, yeah, nice little, nice little start here to the month of March, the stretch run, if you want to call it. I thought the game against Minnesota the other night, I know that some folks may disagree. I, I actually thought it was a, first of all, it was a great game, extremely entertaining. I thought there were a lot of bullet points, check marks. At the Capitals hit the other night in the win over Minnesota. A physical, playoff-like feel for an interconference matchup. Ornery. Yeah, there was some nastiness for a team that they had not seen in nearly a year going back to last season, but thought that was a good game and maybe one that they could build off of as they begin now a new week, which you won't miss. Three games in almost three and a half days. Philadelphia, the Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins, but uh, yeah, you, you missed a little bit. The debut of Kovalchuk? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, you, I have not even met him things. yet. Yeah, 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 you missed a minute. I, I did miss a minute, yeah. but I am back for what I think is a massive, massive week, a rivalry week to the three games that Ben just referenced. I'm Rob Carlin. The Capitals Talk podcast starts now. What's up, Caps fans? It's time for another edition of the Capitalist Talk podcast as we get ready for this huge week, Flyers, Rangers, and then Penguins. And a reminder, on Saturday afternoon, that Caps rivalry game with the Penguins is a real marquee matchup brought to you by Sandy Springbank. Puck drops at 1 p.m. in Pittsburgh. That game you can see on NBC Sports Washington pre- and post-game coverage. We have our normal pre- and post-game coverage as we do before every single game. Yeah, so this is a what? That's the marquee matchup That's this week. That's the marquee matchup, yes. Hey, what, Sandy Spring Bank could get their money's worth this week. Philadelphia, the Rangers. This is a Those big Those are the week. undercards. The, this is a big week. And if, you, if I would have told you in the second week of October, now granted this game is not technically for first place. The Caps have a three-point lead. But if I would have told you Caps Flyers yeah. could have been for supremacy of the Metro in the you know, opening week of March, I don't know how many people would have been like, oh, sure, I see that coming. Would have raised an eyebrow for sure, but credit Philadelphia and head coach Alain Vignon. They've really been 
throughout the season pretty consistent, but really of late, six straight wins. They've scored at least four goals in each of those six wins. First time since 2005 I saw that they have at least four goals in six consecutive wins. And you go, and, and the Capitals saw that firsthand, being blown out at Camp One Arena in, uh, what, Feb 8, Feb 9, around then. So uh, it should be uh, a little fresh in the Capitals' memory bank. But Todd Reardon just referenced yeah, it. Yeah, that's I a mean, Philadelphia Flyers it. team that's uh, clicking on all cylinders now. They've won 13 to 17 overall. And to your point, if you had said that they would be the biggest threat to the Capitals perch atop the division, probably would have taken a step back, said, you sure about that? But credit to them. They've proven the sample size is big enough. They're, they're legit. I, I think that they're definitely legit. And I, I think that, you know, I don't know which was more shocking, that you know, things had gone south with the core group of players, who I think are a very good core group of players, or if that now they've figured it out and they're legit this year. But it makes me wonder how much Matt Niskanen has meant to that room. What he did here, which they talked about throughout his run, certainly throughout the Stanley Cup and beyond, was the culture that he and Brooks Orpik helped shape. And I know from reading what I've read about him there, I think he's brought that to Philadelphia. And that, I believe, is a learned leadership quality. I don't think Matt Niskanen was the guy to change cultures. I think he became the guy that understands how to change a culture. And I think he has certainly helped do that in Philadelphia. Obviously, we're not there every day, but everything you've read is that that guy has been very important to changing what was wrong. Yeah, and certainly they learned from one of the best in these parts, of course, having come over with Brooks Orpik and Orpik having worn that crown and handled a lot of those responsibilities in these parts. And to your point, Matt Niskanen now north of 900 career games has that, uh, that street cred, as, as Barry Trotz used to refer to it, that street credibility walking into that uh, Flyers dressing room with his Stanley Cup ring as well. And interesting, just looking back this weekend, Rob, they, they beat the New York Rangers 5-3, another high-scoring affair. He picked up a power play goal, did Matt Niskanen. But in the postgame, listening to Alan Vigneault, he singled out Matt Niskanen for being out late in the game. The Rangers had the extra attacker, six on five man advantage, and Niskanen is there blocking shots and clearing the front of the net and doing a lot of those little things to help preserve, granted what was a two goal lead, but helping assure the, uh, the uh, Flyers get those two points. Certainly his emergence in Philadelphia, I'm sure the arrival of Alain Vignon has a lot to do with stabilizing things in Philly. And lo and behold, it's amazing what a healthy starting goaltender Correct. will do in those parts as well. And Carter Hart has certainly done that for, for this season as well. That's a crazy story, too, because Carter Hart was at best average early in the season. And this was the year where he was supposed to be the guy who was finally going to, you know, be the cure for three decades. I was going to say, Philly has had a lot of those guys. Yes, but, this, those was, years. but this, is, this was going to be the year where he really cements himself as one of the premier certainly young goalies, but maybe even one of the premier goalies in the game. And it wasn't happening for whatever reason. But like you said, since he's come back from this injury, he has been nailed, lights out. And I think maybe, you know, maybe, uh, maybe more important than anything is when you get a guy playing, it's like a quarterback in football. You're not truly great until you have a great quarterback. You're not gonna be truly great until you have a great goalie. And Philly looks like they now have it at the right time. And especially at home, this has been a common theme for Hart and the Flyers as a whole throughout the season. There's splits home versus away, which is another reason why, maybe without putting too much stock into this matchup with Philadelphia, but you're talking about trying to maintain your perch 
atop the division and home ice advantage. Carter Hart splits home versus road are just ridiculous what he's been able to do on home ice. And the Flyers, too, literally the best home team uh, this season right up there with the Boston Bruins in the Eastern Conference. So uh, certainly to, to even put more importance on the game against Philadelphia coming up on the Wednesday night, uh, you know, talking about that home ice advantage potentially come springtime, this game could go uh, a long way in deciding some of that. And then they get the Rangers on the back end of that Wednesday, Thursday. So Thursday night at Madison Square Garden. And I, you can certainly make a case that the Rangers are maybe not the best story in hockey, but one of the best stories Good in hockey. Yep. Because this was supposed to be full-on rebuilding year, and they've become a legit playoff contender. Now they've taken on some injuries, most notably to the goaltender, who was maybe one of the best mm -hmm. stories in hockey in Shesterkin. and Shesterkin. Um, well done. Thank you. Thank you. I've been practicing yeah. in my downtime. But I, I think that it's a major test, an important back-to-back -back that, again, if it told me in October, Flyers-Rangers would be a massive 24 hours there. I don't think anyone would believe that. Yeah, Rangers have been a fun story, and suddenly they're just four points out of an Eastern Conference playoff spot and trying to chase the likes of Columbus, which has dealt with the injury bug and has been down on the, uh, the downturn, downspin on their season. So an opportunity still for the Rangers. And I was thinking about this earlier in the week, too, that to, for that team to do that this season, that has to be such an enjoyable, almost fun experience. Uh, they all have pressure. They have pressure on themselves. They want to do well. But almost, a, ne you know, next season, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them now, regardless of how this season ends up. Next season, it'll be, you know, hey, we got to get to the playoffs, playoff or bust kind of thing for the Rangers. But this year, to be able to do what they've done and to have made this second half surge and with Panarin and Mika Zibanejad having played the way he has, already scoring north of 30 goals and primarily young players on that team too. They've been a fun watch, an easy watch, and, and good on them at the moment, not in a playoff position, but certainly trending in that direction. And to that point, Capitals saw Winnipeg last week. Minnesota, you missed these games. Winnipeg, I, I, I read about it. Right, but right. Yeah, teams, you know, just on the outside of a playoff spot. And we saw that the desperation with which those teams played, the Capitals, responded and handled it and taking two out of three against Winnipeg and Minnesota. But certainly, uh, you know, th th those are some of the toughest matchups this time of year when you're playing with teams who are essentially, you know, every game is a playoff game at this point for the Rangers. As a kid who grew up on Long Island, as a massive Islanders fan, it, it, there's only two teams, maybe three that I, in sport that I truly, truly hate. Like, absolute hate. hate. Yes, as the fan in me. Oh, yeah. The pro, I totally see the Rangers as a great story. It, you know, the Kreider news was crushing. Yeah, the other injury. Yeah, the other injury. Just crushing after he gets that you know, huge contract. But it's the Rangers, as you well know, it's Duke basketball. Yeah. That's, that's the ultimate. And then as an old Mets fan, the Braves, like the Chipper Jones. I can agree on this. I, I've always, Expos fan in me. I've always joked. Like my, my, my big joke that I may have used to you over the years is if they had a big Duke basketball reunion where all the greats were at Cameron oh, with Coach that. K. Yeah, that'd be fun. Well, Field trip. okay, but you're not going to like how this ends. Mm -mm. And Chipper Jones was the MC. If Cameron imploded into the ground, got oh, covered up, wow. and was gone, I wouldn't lose a minute's sleep. Wow, that's that's, yeah. that's taking. So I don't, far. I, I don't, I don't wish you to have been there. All right. But I'm just saying, like Chipper Jones would have to be Larry. there too. Larry. Yeah. yeah well, re real quick, I, I kept it a little more family friendly. I'm my, sorry. My, my elementary school yearbook in in the in the pet peeve section. Uh -huh. no, pet peeves. Oh, yeah, people yeah. right. I don't know. Early wake up traffic. But my pet peeve was the Atlanta Braves. 
<laughs> just the city yeah. Atlanta Braves. That was it. Right. That was that generation. I hated them. But as the professional in me now, at 48 years old, I can finally push beyond the immaturity. The Rangers story is great. Panarin is next level great. Yeah. I, I didn't realize how great he was until this year, I don't think. And then, but then the Kreider news. Now, you wonder what goes through the mind of a GM after handing out that contract and then next game, two games later, yeah. you know, that, that injury. But it, it, is, it has been a great story. And again, the Panarin thing to me, he's an absolute superstar. Yeah. Now, that, now that being said, for all the verbal bouquets we're tossing the Rangers way, and it is a legitimate shot they have at the postseason because seemingly no one wants that second wild card talking about Correct. Carolina and Columbus. It, it's just up for grabs right now. Gonna, gonna, gonna spin it on you, Rob, here. I know you're driving the, the, the podcast here, but a question for you. I did ask you this off air, so not, okay. not throwing this completely yeah, a curveball. Right. It's a great question. But the team, the most desirable first round matchup for the Capitals, I would think if you want to put the Rangers in the race, then they maybe fit that, despite, again, the compliments we're feeding them here. But this is a tough question. Most desirable first-round opponent, and you could also spin it the other way, least desirable first-round opponent. I did the informal survey among some of our media colleagues. There is not an obvious answer in, in, in either column. The, the least desirable is a tie between Carolina or Columbus, just based off of track record and the coaches – and the style that they play. I know Caroline is scuffling now since, you know, their trades. And Columbus with the entry bug. One, uh, of, our, one, of, our the, one of our colleagues said Columbus would be most desirable. The crazy thing to me is Columbus is even still hanging around. Yeah. Like the fact that that is, t to me, a testament to the reason why it scares the bejesus out of me of playing them, and that's torts. Because this is, this is everything torts wants. Mm -hmm. This is the world is out to yeah, get us. Us against the world. This is everyone thinks that, you know, we're terrible. We're going to go prove them wrong. And yeah, they're going to sweep us in three. Right, 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 right. Like all of that, this plays right into his wheelhouse. So that, that scares me. Either of those teams scare me. I, I said this to you inside. The Islanders, I don't think, have the firepower to keep up with the Caps in the seven-game series. But, but they've got the coach. <laughs> they've got the coach. And that would be scary, too. But, again, I honestly don't think the Islanders, and I've said this all season, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Now, it may have changed because of all the injuries now to Columbus and whatever. They may be able to sneak in there, but I, it looks like Pajot has been a good move for them. I, they just don't have enough scoring. But and by the way, it's no, no guarantee that the Capitals even face the wild card team. You could have Philly, you could have Pittsburgh in correct, round one. Correct. Now, do the, does Florida factor into if Florida ends up being a potential first-round matchup? You'd like that one? That would be my, my potential. Right, they give round. goals up in bunches. They give goals sure. up in bunches. They'll be the fresh-faced kids in the postseason. They've got a great coach. So the, you know, the coach the bench, is there. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, like, I don't know what that team is. And I'm not even sure they know what that team is. That's what I'm saying. I feel like more so than in years past, usually you get, you know, we're a little early here with 17 games left, but certainly once you get under 10, you start to look at the standings. Well, the way to you look frame the, the question, you too. You start to look at the possibilities. But this isn't looking at what could happen. You're just saying best desirable, least desirable. Yeah, and I would think in years past there would be more obvious answers so to yours? each column. I'm changing every 10 minutes. I don't know. Uh, re realistically, when you consider potential first-round opponents, I'm not going to make a stretch on, on Florida necessarily, but seeing this isn't, I'm going to say most desirable, 
is the Islanders. But 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 I hesitate because right, because of because of trots, because of the low scoring nature of the postseason, because of the physical play that the Islanders seemingly they could play that game too. They could give the Capitals a taste of their own medicine and be like playing your mirror image. I just don't see the Islanders though with enough offensive prowess, even with that JG Pajot acquisition. Is that really enough to to give them that scoring punch that they need that they've lacked even dating back to last season. So I would I would cautiously say the Islanders are my number one. If we're really looking at teams in the postseason now, I think to your point, Florida and the Rangers, if they could sneak in, if the Capitals face them as the top, they'd have to be the top wild guard the way right. things are now, right, with Boston running away with the, the conference. So I, I'll cautiously say the Islanders as a realistic potential first-round opponent. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. So then who's your least? Least desirable in round one. Potent- I, w- I, w- I, would- I don't want to see Pittsburgh in round one. I just oh, don't well, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, but yeah. again, we're talking about the proximity in the division. You could be in that 2-3 matchup. Sure. You could be. Heck, sure. The Islanders are only two points, I think, behind Pittsburgh for, for the, you know, Pittsburgh could suddenly be the top wild card. Sure. So even though they've lost six in a row in regulation and all that, they, we, we know Pittsburgh, they're going to write themselves and... Well, that opportunistic team that they are, what do we need that for? Right, right. Early, no. mid-April. And until, until Crosby or Malkin take those sweaters off, I'm never counting them out. And that has to do with Mystique and all of that. Like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. And so that leads into the Saturday Pittsburgh game again. Marquee matchup. Marquee matchup, yes, presented by Sandy Spring Bank. By the way, can uh, we real quick point out that, that for the Capitals, that's going to be three games in three and a half days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's mean, Wednesday night at home. Yeah. Quick turnaround to the Garden. And then quick turnaround to Saturday afternoon. And have you seen the Penguins schedule this week? I did not. Penguins look. have, they've lost six in a row in regulation. In regulation. They are going to let out some aggression on whoever they're playing this week. How about Ottawa and Buffalo Oof. before the Capitals come to so, town on Saturday? So they have a get right couple of games. They have a, a few get wells, yes. So then let me, let me ask you this is to kind of bring back to stuff Rob has missed while struggling with the flu. Are the Caps? problems not solved but are the caps problems are they figuring out are they trending in the right direction enough that you say okay the answer's here because we just heard Todd Reardon right here they are I think the term (laughs) at the end of the year you know hopefully they win the Stanley Cup and they make the video but regardless you know how they used to make those great end of year videos I think it would be called washed 2019-20 Washington Capitals a work in progress, because that, that term has been used all season long, and here we are in March, still trying to figure out where and how Ilya Kovalchuk fits in, still trying to figure out how the defense pairs are going to work. Michael Kempney was the healthy scratch today. Mm-hmm. His confidence is not in a good place no bueno. right now. No bueno. Um, they're, they're still trying to figure that it is still a work in progress. So are they trending to where you think they need to be. Yeah, can they be both things? They are a work in progress, and yes, they're seemingly over the last week plus what Rob missed, trending in the right direction. I mean, you could still go back to before the Christmas break, 14-13-1 in their last 28 games. That's a pretty significant sample size, and it's very mediocre, 14-13-1. and 
You look a little more recent since the trade deadline. They've won three of four now. Again, thought they were impressive against Minnesota. So I think trending in the right direction, but yeah, very much still a, a work in progress, particularly that blue line and, and the rotation and, and all that. What, what I've been encouraged by over the past few games, even going back to the win over Pittsburgh a couple of Sundays ago, has been the physicality, sort of the, Todd Reardon likes to say, their identity. We've seen more examples of them playing to their identity over the past few weeks, and I think that, or the past week plus, and I think that's an encouraging sign as they go into the stretch run. Maybe a little bit of that mid-season lull, you could point to the fact, hey, it's, it's hard to play that type of way, that style all 82 games. To me, that's a little truth, a little bit of an excuse, but if they could continue what we've seen over the past week plus in terms of that physicality, getting in on the forecheck, forcing the other teams into turnovers. And by the way, I think Ilya Kovalchuk has done a nice job in some of those areas, which, which to me has been a pleasant surprise. So I, I think he's an old pro. Like it's yeah. one of those things where you know the the whatever reputation follows you around. He's an old pro. He's played hockey a long time. Yeah. He knows how to do things the right way. And, and it's a small sample, and maybe it's adrenaline, but he, he's played bigger than. I would have thought or anticipated. I mean, yeah. Brendan Dillon comes here. You know what you're getting? Six foot four, two twenty-five. He's a big boy. He's going to engage physically. Ilya Kovalchuk. Again, it's a small sample size, but he's forced a number of turnovers in the offensive zone. He's used the body and and very well. Granted, in four four games so far, but th that's been an encouraging sign. One thing. So th the Troika line, right? That everyone's so excited <laughs> about. And Allen's dying to see it. Uh, of the three Russians, Ovi, Kovi, and Kuzi. <laughs> Uh, saw a little bit of it, got a goal as a result of it. And I think maybe the thing that jumped out the most is how well Kuzi has played when that group has been yeah. together in a very, very small sample size. Is there any belief that while that might not be the most defensively responsible yeah. trio, if Kuznetsov feels any sort of pressure because he's playing with two heroes to Russians mm -hmm. around the world, that I better be great. If I'm gonna play with these two guys, I better be great. And keeping him great has been the biggest mystery to yeah. the you know, Kuznetsov career. Is there something that says, I don't know, maybe put those guys together and see if you can make <laughs> him great? because he wants to be great with those guys? Yeah, a couple of things real quick. First of all, Kuznetsov, what Rob missed, has had a great week, right. even, even prior to playing with Ovechkin and Kuznets. And, and, uh, and honestly, Kovacek. I watched most of, almost all of the Minnesota game. The other games I literally couldn't stay awake okay, for, the, so I the, did miss a couple. The first game against the Jets, and we acknowledge this in our watched broadcast, John Walton and Ken Sabrin, he wasn't one of the three stars that night, Kuznetsov. It was arguably his best game of the year. He was engaged. He was like he was shot out of a cannon. He was back-checking. Very notable. He was leading the rush with the puck. He was creating Drew penalty uh, that I believe led to a power play goal soon after. He, he was really, really good in that first game against the Jets. And, you know, hopefully that, that is something to build off of as well. Because, yeah, playing with Kovalchuk the other night, you know, also maybe lighting a spark under him. To your original question, though, is it something... I think you can roll out at the start of games. Is it going to be a, a fixture in the lineup? I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. I'll, I'll relay a conversation I had with Joe Beninati last week after the acquisition. Joe B. said it's too tempting for the coaching staff not to do that. Right. And this was before we saw it. And I said, okay, to me, put Backstrom between Ovechkin and Kovalchuk for the reason you stated. Just a little bit more defensively responsible there. I understand what you're saying about it lights a spark under Kuznetsov. 
And I don't know how he would interpret that if all of a sudden he's watching Backstrom get to skate alongside Ovechkin and Kovalchuk. I think it provides some, some interesting options, some interesting opportunities and temptations for the coaching staff. I just don't see Ovechkin, Kovalchuk, and Kuzi consistently. I'm curious what Allen... Alan wants to see it on a regular basis or uh, no, like the cameo, I, 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 the cameo He just keeps calling for it. Okay. Now, granted, Alan's missed the last couple of games. We've only texted a couple of times. He's going through his own stuff. And, you know, all of us are thinking about Alan and his family right now. But I think the intrigue, mm-hmm. yeah, like anyone, if you said to any real hockey fan, you want to see those three Russians together? I'd be like, oh, hell yeah. Let's see what, what, what they can do together. And, and I get it situationally. It totally makes sense. Tom Wilson is on the penalty kill. This is what we saw the other night in Minnesota. They successfully kill off a penalty, or even if you allow a power play goal against, I give Wilson an extra shift to, to rest and recover, etc. Kovalchuk isn't on the PK. Okay, he's fresh. You could put the three of them out there, maybe late in a third period. They're down by a goal, trying to mount the rally in the third period. There are situations that certainly call for it. I just don't see it as a consistent, uh, I'm with you. viable option. Right, I'm with you. A couple more questions here. Uh, so how has that affected the third line as far as having Kovalchuk there now? And, you know, Lars obviously is going to say, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Got one of the great goal scorers of our generation on my right side in what you've seen from these last couple of games. Like it or a work in progress? Yeah, no, the whole bottom six. I think it has the trickle-down effect as well, putting Richard Ponick on a trio with Dowd and Hathaway. They've Beautiful goal. so far worked out very well, the three of them together. And, uh, you know, Ponick can, can use the body as well. So he could be, uh, he could be a crusher on that line with, uh, with Dowd and Hathaway. So that trio's worked out well. And look, if, if Kovalchuk is to play regularly, if you want to say with Eller and Haglin, that works out well. It lights a spark for, for Haglin and, and Eller. We've been talking all season about the desire to get some more offensive punch, some more scoring punch, some more creativity from the third line. And going back to that first game against the Jets, Rob, they had, the Capitals had four even-strength goals. Three of the four lines scored. The first line scored, the second line scored, the fourth line scored. The only trio that did not score that night was the third with Eller, Haglin, and Kovalchuk. And they were great. They were creating. They had opportunities. They had one shift in particular. Todd Rearn likes to call it the setup shift. They had a really good shift, offensive zone pressure, sustained pressure. The very next shift, they had an offensive zone faceoff. Fourth line came out, won the offensive zone draw. Hathaway scored on a rebound. It was seconds after this great shift from the third line. It was the setup shift. And I think really what they've shown when playing together, Eller, Haglin, and Kovalchuk, small sample size, but so far pretty good. So what would be your... You know, before we get to the defense, just one word, one more thing on Tom Wilson. So he's a goal away from tying his career high set last year. He's getting a fancy new bobblehead. He's getting a great <laughs> promo, by the way, by the Caps. The Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very well done. <laughs> uh, I saw that promo. They teased it, eh? They yeah, teased yeah. it first. I thought Tom Hanks was coming here to do, like, Unleash the Fury oh or something. Oh, my God. I didn't know what was going that, on. That would be great. And yeah, then I saw it was a bobblehead, uh, yeah, which actually, for me, got me as excited. seeing Tom Hanks here it would have been great Uh, I would have been more excited for Tom Hanks but he's tied his career high in points right I think he's tied his career high in points one off his career high in goals maybe something like that in the neighborhood in the neighborhood right so just where he is as a player now I mean you talked about the penalty kill which is I I think maybe I wouldn't say criminally underrated because I think people are realizing it more now but, uh, you know, in watching and hearing some of the national guys do the games about that part of his game that we've known about for a while, 
but I mean, you're talking about now a con becoming a consistent 20-goal scorer, a menace on the, the PK. We all have said for years he's got captain one day written all over him. But just the development of his game, I think, has been such a joy to watch. And, and he's rewriting the narrative about who he is on the ice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the, and the, I, to me, it's, it's, it's a lazy narrative. You know, some national guys, and I get it, they don't necessarily see the Capitals on an everyday basis and your initial but an earned, thoughts are... But an earned narrative. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I get why, but, but why it's, they said it. Yeah. It's a few years old already. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. He's not the, the fourth liner playing eight minutes a night. Let's get past that 2015 storyline. But, yeah, to your, to your point, and, it, and I'm glad you bring him up, too, because especially a week like this, Philadelphia, the Rangers, in Pittsburgh Sunday, uh, Saturday. This is a Tom Wilson week. This is a week <laughs> where this is where Correct. he earns his payday. And, and certainly looking forward to, to him you know, playing his role to a T this week. And, and to your point, the offensive contributions, which is why as well, as much as we could talk about, well, you move Ilya Kovalchuk up the depth chart and, and isn't that great? You could have him playing with Kuznetsov and Ovechkin. Well, hold on a minute. Between Tom Wilson and TJ Oshie, the right side of the depth chart is, is a pretty formidable one right now. And, and uh, you know, you don't necessarily want to reduce Tom Wilson's minutes. So certainly, uh, yeah, his growth and, and emerging as a 25 and potentially down the line even a 30-goal score. Uh, boy, has that been fun to watch. And thinking back to earlier in the decade, how much the Capitals lack that presence, that power forward. you got to go back to the early 2010s and Mike Knubel, the last time they really had somebody like that. And obviously Tom Wilson is the extra added physical element. Uh, something this team lacked for years, and that uh, Tom Wilson dating back to when they drafted him in 2012. This is what this is who they thought they were going to get, and uh, they have him. So I've more than doubled the amount of time I asked you to give me. So I appreciate you. meters running. It's yeah, okay. yeah, I understand that. So last thing, uh, the defensive pairs. As you look into the the uh, you know the meat of the final portion of the of the season here, heading into the playoffs. How do you see the best combinations? I think that the I think Brendan Dillon has fit in great, and you're seeing why people think so highly of him. He's a big physical presence. You don't get to the front of the net when he's on the ice. Um, he and Carlson seem to have some pretty good chemistry already, starting to build. So that's we feel good about that being the top pair. Dot 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 dot. And then what what of the yeah, other two? Yeah. What the head coach say? Work in progress. So work in progress. Work in progress. I feel like we need we need the uh, like the street sign, you know, like men at work. <laughs> Just work in progress. Work in progress. Just yes. planted for for essentially your your three through seven on the back end. Look, Dimitri Orlov. The Kentley thing is yeah. stunning to me. Well, I was going to say, Dimitri Orlov's a fixture. He's not going anywhere. It's just a matter of who does he play with? Does he play left or right, et cetera? But to I, your, I think he should play on the left. Yeah, to, to, to your point with, with Kempney, this is uh, sample size is large enough that it, it certainly appears now he's going to take his turn and sit as the healthy scratch. And it's a delicate situation, Rob, because do you use the end of the season to, to try to work him and get him right, or are the points in the game's too valuable? You, you can't afford to, to start tweaking with him in, in that manner. Maybe you could take advantage of some quote-unquote softer opponents later in the month, a couple of games against the Red Wings, the Sabres, et cetera, but that might be easier said than done. Yeah, that, that's, that's a real that's, – that's, that's a disturbing issue with the team right now, given how valuable he was two years ago. The truth is, Rob, I, I think it's a lost season for him. I really think it's a lost season. He had his season-ending hamstring injury last March, missed all the offseason, missed training camp, missed preseason, maybe rushed back to return in, in mid-October, and he's just not been the same player. And, and you hope 
long term, that's yeah. all it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, because there there is a little bit of the fear, and and it's hard to know has he regressed to the means of who he is in the NHL after a pretty remarkable run when the Caps got mm-hmm. him to top pair defensemen, uh, or is it a lost season because of an in- lingering issues from an injury, and then the confidence gets hit? I, I, I don't know. We don't know. We'll have, yeah. Next year we'll find out better, but tough way for for this to because be going it's, it's down. Because it's been, Rob, for the past three weeks, and, and it even goes beyond that, but the past three weeks, it's been like every game, a, a turnover that leads directly to a goal. Getting blown by, how many times have we seen these breakaway opportunities yeah. against where Braden Holpe has had to serve as the eraser? And by the way, underrated storyline, I feel, over the past few weeks, Holpe's been terrific. He has. The team in front of him has been a little inconsistent. Not as much. Holpe's been great. But how many times have we seen these breakaway opportunities? We saw it again the other night in Minnesota, the Ryan Donato goal. He eventually banked in his own rebound, but it was made possible first by getting through that Kempney and, and Gouda's pair and just a costly penalty again in the third period. He had that bad penalty late in the third in New Jersey a few weeks ago. I mean, the examples you can make on the TV side, you can make a montage of all the, all, the, all these clips, and it's just been uh, it's, it's too much at this time of the year. Too much, yeah, and, and for a lot of it to come in on skating, that's yeah. not something that would have, yeah. you know, not being blown by as repeatedly as it's happened that's not something you'd think so yeah it's gonna be interesting to watch how that how todd reardon handles that situation down the stretch because i absolutely every point is far too important at this point all right uh i think you're done 31 almost 32 minutes what i ask you for 15. something like we're counting by twos it's okay by twos yeah yeah sorry about that but i do appreciate it we're good it's good inside to talk about a first place hockey team in early march absolutely absolutely and to fill me in on on what i missed uh over the last week so uh appreciate the time from ben raby Uh, again as always the um i'm not too proud to beg please go on Write a review, leave a rating, subscribe, download, all those things continue to help get the word out. That's how we get the message out. That's how we get the message out. Got to get the word out on the Capitals Talk podcast. So my special guest, my very special guest today from Caps Radio Network, Ben Raby. I'm Rob Carlin. We'll talk again soon. Stopped by Brodeen and then rolled off his stick. Ilya Kovalchuk ahead now on the near wing, leaving it for Kuznetsov. A shot and Ovechkin scores! In from the left circle. Puck movement across. The big man with two early. It is three. One. Washington. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.